Kia ora, I'm Georgia. I'm Catherine. And I'm Molly. And you're listening to... Pimpod! Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Parent Pod. How are the both of you? Great. Yep. Fantastic. We have both Layla and Flo with us recording right now. Yep. <laughs> Not n- Hi girls. no bedtime at the moment. Nah, it's all the girls. That's what it is. <laughs> Too excited. Yeah. So this week um we have something very exciting. To give away from the sleep store, don't we, Marley? We do. Um, the sleep store have been so amazing and they are giving one of our lucky listeners slash followers the chance to win Crane Double Breast Pump, which has wow. such amazing reviews and it just looks like a really awesome breast pump. So yeah, look out on our Instagram for how you could win that for yourself this week. I was actually looking at getting that one with Hector. It looks like such an awesome pump, doesn't it? Very efficient. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So we've decided that we are going to crack straight on with this week's episode as we have such an awesome episode for you with Libby from Libby and Co, who is a lactation consultant. And Libby has so much experience in everything to do with nursing, midwifery, lactation. So we thought that we would jump straight in so you can get as much as you possibly can from Libby. We had an awesome chat and I learned so much, mm-hmm. as I'm sure you both did as well. Yeah. Let's hop straight in. Enjoy. Okay, today we are very lucky to have the lovely Libby Kane on the show from at Libby and Co on Instagram. Libby is a nurse, midwife, lactation consultant and childbirth educator. As we mentioned last week, we've tried every type of feeding between the three of us, Breast, express bottle fed, formula fed, tube fed, specialized formula. And the one thing that we can all agree on is fed is best. Today, we're very excited to be learning about all things breastfeeding, from how to prepare in pregnancy, those first few days and weeks of feeding, as well as some tips and tricks to help you along the way. Livy is an absolute wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things lactation, and we can't wait to learn from the guru herself. Livy, we'll just start. <laughs> Um, would you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yes, thank you, Georgia, for that introduction. I don't know if I deserve it, but um, <laughs> I, I so do. <laughs> um, I trained as a nurse way back when I left school, and when I um, when the midwife component came, and we were taught about maternity and delivering babies. You know, advocate for women and help them have these beautiful babies. And so I always knew I would train as a midwife somewhere in the world and I did my travel and I worked in England um, and all sorts of hospitals and came back to New Zealand did my midwifery have loved it ever since love 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 it and then I um, stopped for a short while and had my boy Francis and went back to work and trained as a lactation consultant and then had Molly so I've been a lactation consultant for 20 something years Wow! and yeah yeah, and I, I really like that aspect of it, but um, it sometimes conjures up bad connotations for people saying you're a lactation consultant because people might remember a really intense time at the hospital. 
and sort of I'm there to help just guide them through once they go home and families decide what's going to be best for them, whichever way they want to do mm. it and just the proper way to do it. Um, yeah, and so in between all that, I taught antenatal classes at the private facility birth care. Um, and I loved that. I realised I really liked um, sharing my knowledge with people and, and that's what the best thing is about this job. But um, I also still work at Auckland City Hospital part-time and I look after oh, wow. I look after women who are, are very, very, um, they're usually unwell having babies, so they need extra care. And, and right. the midwives um, are there to try and keep things as normal as possible because it's very intense and they have a lot of intervention, mm. different scans and blood tests and stuff all the time. So, yeah. And I love it just as much as I always did, oh, actually. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, you really yeah. are the guru of... No, labour, birth, and newborn babies. You know it all. No, I'm not. There's lots of us around like that, and we're all usually, if we're still doing it at our age, we're all very passionate about it. So, what is it that you offer at Libby and Co? Uh, I work with another midwife that I worked with at the hospital, and she left to have her babies, um, Andrina, and she. Unbeknown to me, I, I went to her to say, hey, do you want to be part of Libyan Co? Because people are asking me to do home visits and consulting and stuff. And she said, oh, well, I've just finished training um, as a gentle sleep coach. So we put the two of us together and, and that's sort of what it is. So between us, we we guide people through maybe feeding issues or sleeping issues. Uh, on, my, on the website, I have... Um, a 15-minute free chat that people can just click on and email me um, concerns and I'll ring them up and chat to them and it's usually not 15 minutes, it's a lot longer, but I just do that because sometimes we can just tweak things um, and it can sort it out for people, so I'm very happy to be doing that. Oh, so, yeah, oh that's, that's amazing. Great. What a resource. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, the other thing I did start doing, I've been doing for ages and I just, I've done postnatal visits for private obstetricians for ages. Oh, yeah. I used to gather up all their used baby stuff and take it to the hospital where I work and take, so the baby clothes get recycled and mm. those mums that don't have anything at the hospital get these um, clothes. We make up bundles and oh, um, we often get new nappies and stuff. And I call it oh. baby go round and Nature Baby are going to let me do it through them, um, wow. and it'll all be Nature Baby stuff coming back, which is which is the main stuff that gets recycled because it lasts for about four oh. or five babies, doesn't it? Oh, oh my so gosh, nice. this stuff is just amazing. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, that's incredible, Libby. Oh. It really is. So if we are pregnant, yes. what can we do to help, you know, to set ourselves up for a successful breastfeeding journey before we've even got there? Okay. I often suggest that I used to say to my antenatal classes that for breastfeeding everybody talks about it being lovely and natural and instinctive and all that um, <laughs> but I think it's fair to say that a fair percentage of women find it difficult to start off with and so I think you need to be prepared for it to be a little bit challenging um, yeah. a baby suck when they first go on the breast um, is very very strong, and you may not, and you and you won't have had anything sucking that strong on a nipple before, and or they would have had a slap. So, um, so you've got to know that it's it's the difference between pain and discomfort, and okay. yes, and even that first feed, you know, will seem very strong, and hopefully you've got someone there to help you 
get baby on in a really good way that's not going to be damaging you at the time. And um, the other thing is some women don't like touching their own breasts and um, I suggest to people to get used to handling your breasts because you do a lot of that handling eh, when baby comes out and trying to get them into position and all that sort of thing. Mm. And so those are just the two main things that I say to women. Just be prepared. It it can be very tricky, but there's lots of us out there that want to help um, and you need a bit of patience. Your baby... Um, hasn't actually breastfed before when they've been inside the womb they they suck on their thumbs sometimes and we can see them on ultrasound that they swallow that lycra that's around them and and we know that they do chest rises and falls um, so they're sort of breathing but when they come out they've got to learn to hold the nipple in their mouth to suck and swallow and breathe all in a rhythmic way for it to actually work for them so they do need a little bit of learning as well when they come out Mm. it's just patient and a lot of patience yeah Mm. yeah isn't it so funny that like you know the day before you have your baby you would never just sit at home with your boobs (laughs) and all of a sudden it's just acceptable no matter who's in the room it's like here they are (laughs) and you get them out for everybody to see yeah yeah Yeah. including like delivery men who come to the door just Right, yeah. feeding. Just, especially <laughs> at those those early days when you kind of don't know how to handle mm, it all. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, can you talk to us a little bit about that first twenty four hours of breastfeeding and uh-huh. maybe the first few days? What we should be aiming for and what we should expect? Because I know it it, it yeah. is such a shock, isn't it, when you have never like lactated before and <laughs> yeah. all that you expect it just to you know to have a good supply from the second the baby Mm. pops out? You know, what should we be expecting and aiming for? You know, from 35, 36 weeks, we don't encourage people to do it any sooner than that. But we know that you can, um, your body's already making colostrum. And I think it's quite a nice thing if you're a pregnant mum to have a squeeze in the shower and see if you can see some of this lovely precious fluid coming out, which is quite yellow. And that will give you a good sort of um, lift to know that you're making your colostrum. Um, and when when you go into labour, that sort of the hormones tell your body that um, you're going to be needing to make a lot more milk soon. When the placenta comes away, and when baby just after baby's born, that is the whole hormone rush that tells your body that it needs to start lactating and and filling up those the milk ducts I suppose we talk about but and then we put the baby on the breast like when a baby comes out if it's a a vaginal delivery and you're not in theatre after having a cesarean we encourage the baby's will within the first hour we want them to but it could be 20 minutes after the birth a baby will look like they want to suck they'll suck on their hand we gently gently position them close to the nipple and encourage them to be really nice and close um they they are able to sort of see and smell a nipple um and they they will try and put themselves on straight away within that first hour definitely and we encourage that we want skin to skin when babies come out we want them the baby's skin on the mum's chest and we put a lovely warm towel on them and that sort of sorts out baby's temperature and lets them sort of recover from the birth and sort of start thinking oh I can smell mum I need to have a feed and so yeah within the first hour we we want to be breastfeeding having your baby getting on and breastfeeding and it that first feed does so much for the for the baby and 
you know, I said it gives them a little bit of colostrum. It starts their gut working and it keeps their temperature right and warms them up. But it also helps with the mum to stop bleeding because it helps the hormones of feeding help contractions. So, you know, it's it's really good for everybody. Mm. So if you deliver by cesarean section, baby, we're hoping that we'll get baby on within an hour of baby coming out that way too. And it might be... Sometimes babies feed on the breast in theatre. Um, if a baby's looking alert and we're there and we can clear things away, we get the baby on to drink while mum's finishing off her operation. Um, but, wow. but in the recovery room, we definitely get babies on as soon as mum's sorted. It's fair to say that they're a little bit tired after that and we probably leave them to have quite a, ha- a decent sleep after that. So I'm only I'm not saying all night. I'm saying like maybe three or four hours. Mm-hmm. And if they and we only leave them sleeping if their temperature's fine. But um, the babies need to feed then, you know, two to four hourly from get go, mm-hmm. and that's through the night. It's <laughs> it's all the time. There's no there's no sort of break from it and so that's what mums need to know is right from the get-go if you might get a little bit of a rest um in those first four or five hours after babies had their first feed but guess what you're so amped on hormones that you don't want to sleep anyway and you just can't believe you've got this baby and and it all doesn't work properly like that and then ah when you want to rest sleep the baby is up feeding and that's their starting so yeah we both had that didn't we Catherine? yeah it's such a shock <laughs> yeah and just it just doesn't work you about to sleep and they wake up so that's yeah. 24 hours from that first feed and we get the babies on to feed if we can both breast each time mm-hmm. they we don't sort of restrict how long for because as much as they can be skin to skin and on mm. your nipple your your milk will come in sooner. And so I yeah. really remind mums that, you know, at the beginning we all talk about skin to skin, but when you go home, it's really important to keep doing that skin to skin, I reckon, for the next couple of weeks because sometimes that's when the problems happen is the milk supply starting to k- kick in, but there's some issue, maybe a structural thing like a tongue tie, um, and the and we just need stimulation or the baby on the chest to help do that. Mm. How how long does it normally take for your milk mm. to come in fully? Yeah, so we fully is two weeks, but um, the milk, the proper milk, starts to come in at seventy two hours, and for some mums, right. it's a little bit sooner. Um, and that's when a mum will notice that her breasts will fill up and feel tingly or hot or heavy, and the milk. But all of a sudden, yeah, just massive, yeah, aren't yeah, they? yeah, they are <laughs> massive, and yeah, and and it changes the shape of them. And that's sometimes if you've managed to get the baby on nicely and it's been really comfortable, when your milk comes in, quite often your breast changes and. It's very hard for them to latch on because it's like them latching on to a balloon with your nipple sometimes inverts a bit because there's too much milk going on. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's when we get people, we get mums to express a little bit around the nipple to make it soft so the baby can get on Mm. and sort of, yeah. The second change in milk supply and then... Um, it goes on changing, and the full supply isn't really established, we say, until two weeks, actually. Mm. Oh, mm. wow, right. Mm. So they do, they want to feed lots. In those first days, you might be at the hospital or you may have gone home early, but those first three days is, a, is um, yeah, every two to three hours possibly, day and night. And then once the milk comes in, the baby 
often get um, a little, you know, more milk and they might start to stretch to three hours, three and a half hours. Yeah, and just a little bit yeah. longer. But it's going to be three and a half hours on average for the next month. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well. yeah. So it's so it's just remember you laugh. You guys are laughing because it was in the months ago that you were doing this, but it's relentless, yeah. isn't it? Oh, it really mm. is. And I'm kind of just well, not just you know, a couple of months past that cluster yeah. feeding yeah. and things like that. And at the time, you just think this is my life. Yeah. Now. I'm I'm going to be stuck here with this child attached when to me I'm yeah. forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But now you throw it and it's great. And the thing is, mums, first time mums need to realise that it does take up a, a lot of time of your day. Like we mm. say, babies are going to oh. feed eight to ten times, and so at the beginning, a whole feeding cycle might take you an hour to an hour and a half. So it's all those hours mm. um, initially, but then baby becomes more efficient at feeding and you get better at handling baby and winding them and the time for so that sort of hands-on baby time sort of diminishes and cuts down a little bit but it is a significant amount of your time it is it's gonna say that's what you know a challenge was when you've then got a toddler yeah, I know two, I know you think what am what am I going to do with you for this hour while I'm sitting here feeding I mean once you get established and you will quicker with your second they can probably jump up on the couch next to you and you could read a story or yeah. something like that but yeah. in those early yeah. days once maybe dad or your parents have gone away they realize that they can get away with a little bit and start sort of trying to do a bit of stuff they're not allowed to do and yes. look at you and they know Climb you're on the table and to say no and they, yeah like a little breastfeeding time bag and put little treats like raisins and stuff that they can take ages to open and you know <laughs> yeah. it can take up quite a bit of time yeah. And some special oh, toys, great advice. special toys that they can only play with, you know, when you're feeding. So it doesn't become a big chore for them or they start to sort of be resentful. That's mm. quite a nice thing to do. Yes. Yeah, it is. Or I just want the TV on. That's Oh, yes. Yes, you could. I get wiggles, yep. wiggles, you know. Yeah, bit of yeah. Paw Patrol or something. <laughs> You've got all the tricks up your sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> so when, um, when do you think it is that you kind of reach your stable supply? When's that? I reckon I'm I'm a big believer in babies having a couple of growth spurts and, mm. and they they automatically just start this cluster feeding and most babies will do it at day 10 on the dot mm. and so your supply lifts again when they, um, they just wake a little bit sooner and they seem to be on the breast a lot more and harder to settle and, and it lasts for 12 or 18 hours this and then they do it again at 28 days and then they do it at six weeks. So I think from a month to six weeks, I think is a good time to feel quite stable with your supply. Mm. But it is going to lift again at that six weeks that um, mums need to know that um, quite often I have friends who are nurses at doctor's practices and the mums come in for the six-week check with babies and say, oh, I haven't got enough milk. Baby's really unsettled. But it's it's the growth spurt that that they're experiencing and just want mum to lift her supply again for the next until I think three months. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's so good to know. Yeah. Would you say is that the same for babies who are a couple of weeks early or a couple of weeks late? Same timing. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it is the same timing. It is the same timing, I feel. Okay, good. Yeah. That's really good to know. Mm. Libby, when mums come to you, what would you say kind of the number one problem is that you, you see or you deal with? Um, I think I think the number one 
problem that I deal with is um, they're worried about their supply because maybe babies become a bit fussy and they pull on and off and they might do that three or four weeks is a common thing for babies to do that and and they're just a bit more alert. The milk supply may have settled and the mums, the babies don't like the speed at which it's coming. It might be coming too fast or too slow and the babies, I mean they're like you can see in animals like kittens do it. They, you know, they um, press their paws next to their mum's nipples to make the milk come out faster. And and babies, babies do that by holding on, clamping down with their gums and pulling. Um, mm. And ah. that, they they do that because usually the the flows slow down a little bit and they want it to speed up again. And so that's one right. reason why babies will do that. But also. Um, the other thing is I, I sometimes, more often than not, it's an oversupply thing that mums come to me and, the, and with oversupply, babies often get the milk too quickly and that causes an upset tummy and so that's this constant cycle of feeding and unsettledness and so I just show them positions that we could flow to baby down, you know, the leaning back or that, uh, yeah. what we call yeah. the biological position, which a mum is really in a comfortable position and we put baby lying on your tummy um, and they can sort of just latch themselves on and they take the milk at their speed and right. and also with a fast supply like that, I um, I encourage mums just to do one side feeding because if you're getting a lot of milk with two breastfeeds, each time you put them on, they get a big gush of milk each time. Um, they can get a lot of a tummy upset because of the speed it's going in, but also they're not getting to that hind milk. And we do believe babies need to get to that hind milk because there's an enzyme that helps metabolize all the milk at the front so you can yeah so you can imagine getting a lot of frothy fast milk can get them a sore tummy and often just putting the baby twice on one breast will stop that real windy situation happening Uh, and is that when you get the frothy poo is that if you're yes and it can be Mm. and it and it can be green yeah, so that's what that's about. It's too much for milk. Um, and so, Interesting. yeah. And when you do do that, actually, sometimes you get a bit of an imbalance. You've got your other breast that is full um, and you don't know what to do with that breast because you've emptied the other one sort of twice. And that's when yeah. sometimes people like to use something like a silicon breast pump. The New, the mm. New Zealand one is called the New Edition. Um, it's called Pumped and it's made yep. in Hamilton and it's – it's a really good silicon pump that mums can put on and get, catch the leak down because it, because it does make you okay. leak a lot from the other side. Mm. Great freezer stash. Absolutely. Great yeah. fe- freezer stash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the it's unsettled tummy may because of a fast flow is probably my number one. Do you see a lot of mums then coming into you with nipple tenderness? Yeah, I do. And that's not nipple tenderness from the beginning. It can be something that comes up down the line like, yeah, three or four weeks or even, you know, two months. And it could be because something's changed. It could be something because of thrush. You know, you can get nipple thrush, which causes real stinging and burning feeling in your nipples. And it's not that obvious, and we can't grow it as such, the thrush, from the milk. But it's usually just by what mum says whose symptoms are that um, may cause it. And it might be something... There might be something obvious that's caused it, um, a dose of antibiotics or 
sterilizing and chemicals or um, a hormone imbalance in the mum it may have that's why it might happen and so that could right. be nipple tenderness and so we treat that with um, thrush cream called um, caniston or mm. clove cream so that's a thing that mums can try for themselves if they think it might be something like that if they're getting stabbing pains in their breast just on a side if we were thinking the mum does have thrush in her nipple we also have a good look in the baby's mouth and make sure that they don't have any um, thrush in there right. as well and we have to treat them both because it will just come and go the whole time if we don't do that but yeah. nipple tenderness um, it can still be from bad positioning I mean a baby grows um, mum might be she's had trouble maybe learning at the beginning or struggling a bit with the latch and then gets it right and then you know a couple of feeds at night but relaxed and tired and the baby could damage again you know by letting the baby slip mm -hmm. off and I think the number one thing we need to remind women to do is really bring baby in super close, super, mm. super close so the baby yeah. gets the tip of their nipple, uh, the tip of the nipple right to the back of their mouth onto the soft palate and not pinching it on the hard palate. Uh, yeah. Oh, and you know when you've got a good or a bad latch, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you do. A bit harder to diagnose. Might be if a mum has experienced chillblains in the past, she might also get a nipple spasm when they get cold when the baby comes off and the nipple's wet and that's called mm. it's Raynard's Raynard's yeah, yeah and so we get mm. mums to take high doses of magnesium for that um, and it can right. sort of stop the spasm uh, and of course it helps with sleep as well for the mum oh, great and just uh, with mm. nipple right. tenderness and the slightly older baby uh, biting biting God. when they're oh. starting to teeth yeah I had an yes. absolute mare with my second with biting especially if they're poorly you know, whenever they're a bit yes. congested, they seem to think yeah. that that's the best way to make them feel better, don't they? <laughs> yes, they do. What do you and, do? Um, well, I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> I know. And, you know, if you if you jolt away and say no and yell and cry, you know, that can re that could stop them from feeding. Mm. Um, and it can give them a nasty fright. So you've got to be a bit more gentle about it. And they often do it, though. Remember I said that at the end of the flow when you're feeding, mm. the the baby, they tend to bite towards the end of the feed more than the beginning yes. of the feed. And so if you if you start to recognize that they're getting frustrated, that the flow's a bit slow, um, you can do some breast compressions and try and get flow back down to baby mm. or you quickly take them off before they do that. Yeah, I, I know it causes problems. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. It's that toe curling. As soon as I knew a feed oh. was coming when he had a cold, I thought, yeah. oh, God, you just... You just dread it, yeah. don't you? Yeah, you do. And you sometimes need to go back to, you know, treating your nipples with some Purelan again or mm. um, something like that to just help heal it. If you if you can, or rubbing your milk on it would also help again if they if it keeps getting sore. Oh, that's a good one. We've spoken like a little bit about a good latch. Yes. How how important is it that we get a good latch every single time we're feeding? And what is a good latch? A good latch is a thing that's really important for several things, what we call a deep latch. And it's when the baby gets the tip of the mum's nipple, right, they, they get on and they sort of come underneath. The, we don't see an equal amount of nipple around um, the baby's mouth. We usually see at the top there's a bit more showing. And at mm. the bottom, 
we don't see so much of the nipple. So that's a sign that that's a good latch and it means that the baby's gone on nice and deep and the nipple can roll back into the baby's mouth and the way you know like if people are listening to this and they want to know how far back the baby needs to get that nipple if you run your tongue along the roof of your mouth right to where the soft palate is Mm -hmm. that's where the baby needs to get the nipple wow if it is going to feed that is if it's going to feed comfortably for you because if the baby doesn't stretch your nipple right back it's going to pinch every time it sucks and swallows right on that hard palate, and that's what causes mm. damage. So a good latch is one that is deep, and it gets a lot of your nipple tissue in their mouth, and it's comfortable. And that means that the baby will transfer and get a lot of milk out of your breast if they're feeding properly with a deep latch. And so the baby gets enough milk, and it'll it'll grow, and it'll be satisfied, and it will settle but also if it's taking off a good amount, you will replace it. So it's really important for your milk supply to to get a baby on properly and to be deep enough. And of course, there's the pain issue, you know, like if it's painful and causes damage, then that's not great and we've got to go back a few steps. So it's super important from that very first feed when baby's born to get them on very, very close um, their little nose is just sort of touching the breast and their chin's in very well and their head's slightly tilted back and hopefully that tip of the nipple will stretch right back to the soft palate and not cause you pain. Mm. Yeah. I think I was really surprised when learning to feed at how much pressure you could use to actually bring them on quickly. Yes, yes. I was real. yeah, and, I didn't realise and that made such a big difference. Yeah, and, and especially we... We get mum's apply pressure between the shoulder blades. It's not the head and it's not the yes. neck, it's the shoulder blades. And that means the baby can come on and tilt their head back a little bit mm. and the nipple gets a bit further back. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing. And it feels kind of unnatural at the start and you feel like you should be holding their heads. But yeah. actually, yeah, just small changes like that make such mm. a big difference. And, and I encourage everybody, you know, if you really just aren't getting it, you ask the midwives at if you stay in the hospital or go to a private facility or whatever, to just get them to come in and check your latch every time. Yeah. Because yeah. once once you're getting a bit of damage, it's really it's really painful and upsetting for a mum with sore nipples to then know that she's got to put a baby on that nipple oh. in three hours' time. Oh, I mean, yeah. you just dread, you dread it. it. And oh then, my gosh. then it's all this negative hormones and it's, it's not great. It's not great for mum and yeah. it's not great for baby. So it's best to avoid it, I reckon. Mm. Yeah, mm. and if we latch the baby on and it feels painful, do we just get them straight off? Yes, I, I would. I would. Um, and you put your um little finger. You cut your nail and put your little mm-hmm. finger. If you've made the decision to do it, you've just got to go and do it and not namby pamby around because when you're going to try and delatch your baby, they are going to want to suck on harder, and that's yeah. You know, you've just got to do it. <laughs> Okay. Break the suction yeah. and get them to do it properly. And and another thing about breastfeeding is once your milk comes in, it's important to be aware of that your baby's actually swallowing milk and that they're not on there just sucking on the nipple because they like just being their mum's breast and it's a nice place to be. Because they trick us a lot like that. You know, you think, oh, they're still feeding, but in actual fact... They're not. They're just hanging around and sleeping on the breast, and that can cause damage as well. So we need to, you know, listen for those swallows and and their breathing. Right. And 
watch how many sucks they take. There is nothing better. There's no better sound in the world than the baby swallowing, is there? I know. Brings I know. such joy. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, once you get it, it's a really nice thing to do, I believe. You know, I, I enjoyed feeding and I like to, and you know, I like to help people enjoy it as well. That's the main thing about it, I think. Mm. Yeah. So um I was about to say yes. I was about to say let's talk about the less enjoyable part of uh, feeding which is pumping. <laughs> but <Yeah>. some people <laughs> do enjoy it and yeah, not that many. We do not. <laughs> but I would definitely class it as less enjoyable. Yeah, um, it is. Talk to us about it. When do we do it? Should we do it? How do we do it? We might encourage people to, when the baby's first born, and actually a mum can do this anyway when a baby's first born if she wants, to hand express. We, when a baby's born and if they're born early or they're unwell, we will be encouraging the mum to express with their hand initially for the first 24, 48 hours with her hand. And we catch the milk in little syringes um, and then we give that to the baby if they're not with the mum. If the baby is still separated from the mum or for some reason they're not getting on the breast, not feeding properly, we will um, we might get an electrical pump on and show you how to use one of those brilliant appliances which um, are designed to mimic a baby's suck um, and to stimulate your breast to think and your brain to think that the baby's on their sucking and that it needs to start increasing the milk supply. And so, yeah, hand hand expressing initially just gently and then bringing the pump um, and you pumping. And we encourage you to do that three hourly. You could do a little bit of hand expressing before you put the pump on and sometimes that helps for it to come a bit easier. You know, you've just had your baby and, and two to three days you're starting to use the electric pump you, I don't expect that you would be getting very much and that's that's not very encouraging for a new mum because she can see the mm. volumes. Like mm. if you're breastfeeding, you can't see the volumes. But um, it just does increase with regularity and trying to get the baby on the chest if baby's in NICU or something like that. Mm-hmm. But some mums like to get a pump before they have their babies, but I don't think it's absolutely necessary. It's much simpler if you just don't, don't add that in early on and you just literally breastfeed your baby but for some situations we want um, if a baby has gone home and they're not putting on the weight like we'd like them to we or if they're jaundiced or something like that we might Mm. say to the mum um, yes feed your baby for 15 or 20 minutes on each breast and then get onto the pump and get out the excess that's there and then we'll give the baby a top up with that so that's for medical reasons. Okay. Yeah, there might be a reason the baby's not able to suck. And as mm. as we talk about tongue ties, that can restrict things a bit. Mm-hmm. And until you can get seen by somebody, that might be the best way of getting over that problem. If we find the baby's damaging the nipple or the supply isn't great, that's what we'll say to do. Yeah, to use a pump. Yeah. And then some parents want to be able to give a baby a bottle in the evening. And so that's when you, would do, you do it, Georgie, you pump in the morning when you've got your excess milk and give that later on in the day and that's that's fine to do that like am I it's okay that I'm doing that you think yes I mean you know for the purest for a very pure lactation consultant they might say oh no you know just put your baby on the (laughs) breast but it's a thing I mean if a mum's 
getting very tired, it's a way that a mum can go to bed and get an extra two hours sleep before she has to wake up for the next feed. You know, there's there's all sorts of reasons to do that. Mm. And if your baby doesn't yeah. get, if your baby transitions and feeds the rest of the day and has a teat as well, for me, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all. I understand that people want to do that and lives are busy and as long as the baby's getting breast milk. Mm. Yeah, if you just want to build, if you just want to pump to build up a freezer stash, for whatever yes. reason, yeah. is there a good time to start that, or is there a time you shouldn't start that? You know, when's the golden period? You might start it between three and four weeks. Okay, I wouldn't start it any earlier than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to yeah. think that your milk supply is established and you can understand when your breasts are fuller and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But if you, you know, some mums are going back to work and she needs to make sure that she's got a stash. And I do tell mums it's a good idea to wait till your supply is really established at two weeks and, and maybe not before four weeks if you can hold out. But okay. for before then, if there's no need to do it, I wouldn't. It can really interfere with your feeding. And, and you can see the volume that's coming out and then you lose confidence in what you're making and you want to see it in a bottle and it can can change things a bit. So just wait until you've had um, yeah, two weeks, another growth spurt and getting close to the month. That's great advice, thanks. And lots of mums actually want to do it to get milk to mix with when you're starting solids with um, yes. you know mashed veggies and things like that. So that, a lot of people put that down, yeah. don't they, and they freeze that. Mm. I've got some ice cube breast milk. That's a great idea to put it. I'm just about to start solids. Yes, yeah, so do that. So yeah, that's a good idea. idea. Um, jumping back to tongue ties, how common are they? And what, what can we do if we suspect that our babies have a tongue tie? Some babies can have a tongue tie, but there's there's not an issue because it's stretchy and the baby's got a longish tongue and it's not damaging the mum. And we can get away with a tongue tie and when we talk about tongue tie it's it's a tight bit of skin or the frenulum that holds a tongue to the bottom of the baby's floor of their mouth and sometimes that's mm-hmm. a bit thick um, and it might grow almost to the tip of the baby's tongue and it can restrict them being able to draw the nipple down into the back of their throat and it causes damage to the mum and it's not good for, for milk supply and we, we we can do all sorts of little checks on babies to see what their tongue's like. Is it wide? Can it lift up to the roof of its mouth? Can the baby poke their tongue out over their lip? If they cry, is there a, is, does it pull in at the end and does it look like a little bit of a heart shape when they cry? All those things are a little bit of an indication that maybe the bit of skin under the tongue is tight and might need an right. assessment by someone and a possible release of the tongue tie but there are some parents that you know they've got a good the mum's got a good supply it's not painful um but it's very obvious and they might just get through that first little while um and choose to go to somebody a bit later um to see if they think it might impact with speech or something like that there's a lot of discussion about tongue ties and why there's so many around now and um should we to snip or not to snip there's even mm. some paediatricians who say you shouldn't snip. They reckon that it's not worth doing. Um, but there's a lot of oral surgeons, um, like as I say in Auckland, that separate those tongue ties with a laser. Or doc- some oh, yeah. doctors will do it with scissors. Mm. Yeah. And is that a referral from a lactation consultant? or 
no, it doesn't need to be. And some GPs also SNP, they've had training. Mm. They might, some GPs are lactation consultants and they will just do it. They'll see the mouth, they'll check the babies and do a sort of a scoring and then say to you, look, I think you should do this and they'll do it then and there. And you don't have to be their patient for them to do it. But um, a la- yeah, oh, but, so good. a lactation consultant, some of them are learning to do it as well, but they should put you on to somebody. They would know who they use and, and who they trust to snip if it's, if it's required. Oh, mm. great. Something we've touched a little bit upon earlier, two things really, nipple confusion, which is a phrase you'd never have heard of before you had started breastfeeding, <laughs> nipple confusion, and <sighs> bottle preference. So what are they and what are your thoughts on, on both of yeah. those? Um, we try and discourage babies from having anything other than the mum's nipple in their mouth if they can and don't sort of suggest interchanging that early days when babies learning to breastfeed so we suggest not using um, a pacifier if Mm -hmm. a baby needs extra feeds because they're not getting enough from you um, at the hospital they will encourage people to finger feed or cup feed not Mm -hmm. to interfere with that first learning that the baby's doing but what happens, I don't know if it is nipple confusion or bottle preference, but it doesn't take long for a baby to realise that drinking from a silicon sort of nipple is a lot easier for them. You know, they just have to compress mm. it and the milk yep. pours down their throat and it's all quick and it's just one speed and they learn you know, they, they start to learn that that's much easier and they might yeah. start to, yeah, as you say, they start to, to prefer a bottle feed than a breast feed. And, yeah, and that's when we're sort of a bit disappointed that it does more harm than good. And, of course, there's medical times when we are encouraging people that you have to top up with bottles once you get home. Mm. But um, we go for certain types of bottles that um, makes the baby open their mouth properly like if they were breastfeeding. But so, so some people say, oh, nipple confusion isn't a thing, but it's more the fact, I think, that, that they start to prefer, I think, the speed at which the milk comes. And so that if people sense. were giving their babies bottles, um, and they were wanting to breastfeed, we, we guide them toward pace feeding. It's called pace bottle feeding. And it's right. how, mm-hmm. how you feed the baby slowly, um, with little breaks like they would do when they're breastfeeding. And it's just, um, you just Google pace feeding. Um, and a whole lot of information will come up and little videos on how you pace feed a bottle to a baby so that they still want to breastfeed. Oh, yeah. There's a, do That's you know about helpful. the fantastic breastfeeding app called Mama Aroha? No. Yes, I do, yeah. It's, it's a fantastic um, resource that I send mums to. Yes. I found that super, super helpful when Flo was Yeah, it's, it's really right. good, and mums can... You know, look at it and give them confidence that what they're doing is fantastic and it's free and it's in, sort of interactive and explains technicalities and things like that. Uh, what's the name? Mama Aroha. And it's got Mama sort of, Aroha. yeah, it's um, oh, a New Zealand nice. app and there's a fantastic woman from Gisborne who came up with it. So in these oh. unprecedented times that we would love to have precedented times again. Yes, yes. What? Long may these last. <laughs> yeah. How's that affected your women or how's it affected your practice as a lactation yeah. consultant? It's affected a lot of our families. When when we when I work at the hospital, you know, there's restrictions for visitors and when we're in a full on lockdown, which Auckland is, 
you know, has been um, mm. a couple of times, dads aren't or partners are not allowed in with the mum unless she's in active labour. And then as soon as baby's born, mm. they have to leave and they can't come back in. Um, wow. And that gets less and less as we go down the levels. And it's it's really unsettling for mums. I mean, we mm. have lots of different cultures in the hospital. Some women are left on the ward, no visitors, and nobody on the ward can speak her language. We try very hard to get people oh. who can or get a telephone communication or get the husband if they might speak a bit more. And, you know, like, it's that's oh, wow. really hard. Um, oh, my And goodness, it's these yeah. restrictions and you know not being allowed to wander around the ward and stuff like that but it's you can only have one visitor um for a couple of hours a day yeah it's that's that's for new families and especially mums having their first baby it's mm. it's really hard um and and if families are having difficulties with a sick baby you know it's extra hard but what it's done for our practices when we were in full-on lockdown i had we have to you know, we have to triage people before we go into the house every time we see them and question everybody's health in the house and put on plasticky aprons and goggles and gloves. And so I'm a oh, big wow. hugger of my woman, especially if they're not doing good. You mm -hmm. need to have that contact. I felt that very, oh, very yeah. hard. And, you know, if you're spending a lot of time mm -hmm. and mum's upset and you might be having a cup of you can't have a cup of tea in their house anymore because you're not allowed to sort of be doing that and hanging around too long. So it's just in and out, giving the basics. But And then the rest of the, the visit might be on a phone, just chatting to them. And, you know, that if we have to go yeah. and we put the baby on the scales, but there's, there's not much, you know, you can't show them how much you, you want to help them more. Just that um, that physical hug thing is quite hard. Yeah, I mean postpartum. Yeah. postpartum is hard enough without that on top of it. Isn't yeah, it? yes, and then you know there can be families that um, they've got help that lives outside the border and they're not allowed to come in and help. You know that, oh. and and the partner has to go to work because they might be an essential worker. There's a lot of families that struggle. Mm. So it's yeah. COVID's really hard. COVID's really, really hard. Oh, it's so mm, hard. Yeah. And it's all those things that you don't think about. No, <laughs> mm. no you just don't think about yeah, do it. Yeah. No, there's a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of tough. us practitioners very happy to chat on the phone to women and it can just be a chat and and that can make you feel a lot better if you feel isolated. And did you, because um, I had Florence in level four and I had to have a lactation consultant. Yes. Over, like do it over Skype is that something that you would you did I found it quite tricky but it, I mean it was fine um, I went in a lot more than I possibly should have <laughs> because these some of these mums actually just wanted to see somebody in person mm. and oh, um we absolutely. would just I would just stand at the door and I'd have you know gear on and I'd just chat to them and I a lot of other people weren't visiting yeah. but I did it very safely and was happy to do it because it's what mums needed they just need a mm. friendly face and just to chat and to be told face to face how well they're doing and what their baby's doing is normal yeah yeah mm. oh yeah. fair enough yeah especially when it's things like you know positioning and like I said the force that you're putting the baby mm. on you need to yes, kind of you feel do. to feel that. Mm. You do. And tongue ties. Yeah. Um, 
just another question asking for a friend yes do your breasts ever look the same ever again after breastfeeding um <laughs> my friend was wondering <laughs> do you know what i think breastfeeding can often leave a woman with bigger breasts i think yeah bigger when you have babies your feet get bigger and oh, yes. yes feet get bigger your hair falls out and you get left with bigger <laughs> breasts <laughs> Yes. Oh, what a treat. And we don't tell anybody that before they have their babies because they wouldn't no. get pregnant. But the other thing that people need to know about their breasts is um, they operate completely differently, don't they? Like one breast, you know, they have different, they produce different amounts of milk. Their let, let down speeds yeah. can be different. And babies prefer one breast over the other sometimes. And, yes. it, and it's not always the fastest breast. They sometimes prefer the slower breast, the slower let down. And like one nipple's better than the other? Yes, yeah, I so, find. It's not nicer than not so good boob that you keep telling it is. No. <laughs> yeah. But women are always saying, yeah, good boob, bad boob. But it's for different reasons, and babies don't yeah. often, you know, always choose the fastest one. Yeah. And that can change. I was going to say, I always think of, um, mm. like, empty boobs or non-breastfeeding boobs as just, like, yeah. deflated balloons. Yes, yes. but those, um, an empty an empty breast fills up much quicker than a breast that has only had a little bit taken off it. Mm. So, and also we right. know that when a baby starts feeding and stripping the milk from the breast, that you straight away start replacing that milk so so your breasts even though they feel yeah. empty they never really are um there's always something you can yeah. get out yeah they they often are different sizes and if you start feeding one side you know if you start putting the baby on the same breast twice the other side's going to be quite full and one side's going to be lot smaller and softer mm, forever oh my gosh Catherine I remember you sent a photo once and you're saying Hector liked to feed on one side at night and one of your boobs was massive and the other yes. one was tiny he'd only feed <gasps> on one of them overnight and I had oh my goodness I, I still have this now and I haven't been breastfeeding for a couple of months one is like double yeah. the size of the other yeah and if, <laughs> and if a woman starts to prefer the side that's a better provider it really can up interfere with your milk supply and and your other breast doesn't get so much attention and it starts making less milk yeah, yeah. one's considerably closer to my belly button yeah than the other. yeah maybe yeah <laughs> yes and nipples nipple nipples aren't mm. identical some of them could be a little bit and a bit flatter than the other one and that might be why a baby prefers a breast that has a more sticky out nipple it's it's incredible oh. you know people think that it's just going to magically um happen breastfeeding but if you have quite large nipples and you get birth a baby with a small mouth that's something that we need to deal with too you know um right. trying to get the nipple in the baby's mouth when they've got a small mouth yeah there's all sorts of challenges yeah who knew? i know i know who knew all of this pre-baby yeah, it's so much more like anatomical than you really yeah. give it credit yeah. for isn't it yeah thank you so much awesome. libby really enjoyed i really enjoyed chatting to you ladies oh, yeah uh, what i wouldn't give oh you really are yeah. Not really knowledge. yeah oh we would goodness. have loved to have had you <laughs> first time round oh. giving us advice and recipes oh. yeah. well, thank Definitely. you guys yeah I really I really do love it and um, if anybody you know like as I say I've got a 15 minute thing they can book a chat with me if they would like or book a, um, a, a phone consult they just go onto my website yes I'm going to be every Tuesday at Nature Baby in Newmarket and it's such a beautiful space and we're going to encourage 
coffee groups to come there. Um, Andrina and myself are going to be there yeah. to bounce ideas off for mums. It's Yeah, it's really lovely. Thank you so much, Libby. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And we would really appreciate it if you could subscribe and give us a rating. You can also find us on Instagram at parentpod.nz. And don't forget to keep your eyes out. We will be putting details up um, about the sleep store giveaway. So, yes, keep your eyes peeled for that. See you guys next week. See you later. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Bye.